Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, Mikey Maximus the Fernicus, king of the coffee bean, herding alpacas like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> Charette. What's up? What's up, Doc G? Oh, man. I added another thing. So true. You know what? I think I'm going to have <laughs> to. I'm going to have to start rhyming everything I've decided. I'm going to have to. Ooh. Yeah. You know, sort of like, I know back in the day, that was a big thing, like, when they started adding to Ali's introduction. So true. They all had to, you know, uh, uh, they had to rhyme each each phrase. Basically had to turn it into a nice couplet poem. That's what I'm going to do mm. with your interest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your introduction. It's just going to be a free-flowing poem of two minutes. And people will be like, I don't know what this podcast is about. This is weird. Uh, Mike, Mike, I want to jump right into it. All right. Have you took a look at your calendar recently? No, not at all. (laughs) You're like, I don't, I don't keep up with one. Actually, I, I don't don't even know what month it is. I, where are we? It's, it's almost (laughs) Halloween, Mike. Yeah, oh, I do oh, know that. Coming this weekend. <laughs> Say what? Are you dressing up? Hmm. Um, I have two ideas. I might be Jimmy Neutron or I may be the default NBA 2K player. Oh, nice. That's a good one. That's a very good one. Last year, shout out to my friend Chad. Uh, he dressed up as Alec Caruso. Uh, the basketball okay. player played it nice. perfectly. He's got the Alice Car- uh, Alec Caruso hair, and he's got the uh, or or lack of, and he's got the uh, mm-hmm. he's got the headband and just the just the overall look. It was a it was a killer costume. Nice. I usually take the lazy approach, and I tell myself, "Hey, I'm going to dress up," and then Halloween comes, and I go, "Yeah." Never mind. That's a fact. That's usually uh, how it goes. I have an idea. Most often, my idea is Jesus. Yes! That's sort of the <laughs> easiest lazy go-to for me. You know, beard, long hair. I'm like, yeah, I could be Jesus. And then I'm Everybody like, everybody ah. loves you. That like, yeah, nothing. Even... Exactly. But then I'm like, oh, I'd have to get robes. Blam. Uh, I don't know. That seems like a lot of work. And then, you know, I just end up turning off my lights in my townhouse and trying not to give out candy. You know, that's usually how it it works. But, Mike, I've got good news. Uh, The New York Magazine, NY Magazine, is here to help us with costume ideas. What do they got? Uh, Well, spoiler alert, Mike, most of them aren't good. I went through all of these myself before the show, and I was like, oh, man. And I got to be honest, um, they really went heavy on the pop culture references on these. That's a fact. Like, if you're not going to a Halloween party thrown by E or TMZ, you're hmm. going to be like, who who are these people? What? Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the suggestions from worst to best, in my opinion, that they had. Okay. I'm not going to go. I threw out like eight of them. 
because they were just dumb. So I'm going to go through the ones that I want to go through uh, because uh, I had something to say about them. Uh, the first one, this is their worst suggestion. Dressing up like ASAP Rocky at the Met Gala. Wait, what? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> what, what did he wear? He wore like he basically looked like a pile of Fruit Loops. He wore uh, this like this I don't know multicolored quilt thing that was just like a whole bunch of colors. Hmm. Like and leave it to New York Magazine to suggest dressing like a Met Gala attendee. Like ninety. Uh, if you were, if you could go as little Nas X though. Yeah. That would be maybe. May they didn't that have that one cool. listed, though. But they had <laughs> 90% of the people will not get this reference. And 9% of the ones that do get the reference will still think it's stupid. Yes! There's 1% that will think it's cool. You're playing to that 1%. That's yeah. who your costume is for. <laughs> uh, which brings us to the second suggestion, Mike. Uh, Kim Kardashian at the Met Gala. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, which I don't yeah. know if you remember her dressing at the Met Gala. She just dressed like in an all-black uh, ninja suit that was black on her face, too. Like, literally, it just is like a, you know, I don't know, like those weird things from Power Rangers they always used to fight that had, like, no face. Yeah. It's basically like that. That's what she dressed <laughs> up like. She kind of looked like uh, the, uh, what were the, the Foot Clan? Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, Foot Clan from Ninja Turtles. That's basic, yeah, except without yeah, yeah, the big yeah. bug eye things that they had. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah pretty yeah. much it. But uh, much. you know, let's just go ahead and settle this. New York Magazine. Nobody wants to dress up like the f gala. Okay, just no. take that one off. Which brings us to their next costume. Which this one, I like this one a lot because this is the person that one is out of touch with pop culture, and two, doesn't want to put any effort into their costume. And the next suggestion, Tony Soprano. Word. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right? Nothing says you're a cool person like having a character from a show from 20 years ago. Am I right? Just, <laughs> hey, guys, 2002, you remember this one? Good, right? <laughs> like... You're pretty much one step away from dressing up as Hawkeye from MASH and being like, huh? <laughs> huh? Look at this. I'm Seth Meyers, everybody. Sweet. Anyways, uh, yeah, so this one's pretty easy. You can just get a velour jumpsuit, and that's about it. And you're Tony Soprano. So <laughs> if you want to do that, guys, think about it. That's one of their suggestions. Next one, we actually mentioned this on the show. Well, we didn't mention it as far as a Halloween costume. We mentioned the the incident. Casey, uh, Casey Graves, Casey Musgraves on Saturday Night Live when she performed naked. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you, they want you to dress up, essentially, in a nude bodysuit and then wear a pair of cowboy boots and have a guitar. And, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I know Saturday Night Live is an iconic show, and I know I mentioned Casey Musgraves on the show and how she's pretty famous, but, like... <laughs> This is almost a guarantee you're going to have to explain that costume to every single person. And, yeah. and after you explain it, they're still going to go, oh, 
cool. Like, mm. <laughs> like who's going to be like, oh, my God, that's so awesome. Like, nobody's, what? No. Yeah, no. Get out of town. Come on. Now, the next one, this is where we flipped. The next, the next uh, four, these are okay. These are uh, th this one's on okay. the line. This next one's on the line. So uh, dressing up like the front of Olivia Rodrigo's album, her her new album. So I mentioned to you, you know, Mike, uh, you didn't know who she was. She's really famous. No. Uh, she's a, she's a youngster, <laughs> young buck in the music game. But this, first of all, really easy, because on the front of her cover, all she basically has on is a tank top and uh, stickers on her face. Like, just a whole bunch of, like, you know, like, elementary school stickers, like uh, cloud okay. and smiley face and, like, rainbow and stuff. She just got them all over her face. So that's really easy. And... Considering she has like 50 million monthly listeners on Spotify and her most popular song has over a billion streams, I mean, Mike might not know who you are, but most people at the party would know who you are. So mm -hmm. that's, you know, if you're going to a party with all mics, don't do this. But yeah. if you're going to a party, <laughs> you know, with, I don't know. Depends I depends on your age, too, obviously. If a you bunch dress, of kids? Yeah, I was about to say, if you dress up like this and you're going to a, a party with, like, 40-year-olds, yeah, you'll be pretty weird. You'll be pretty weird. But if you're going to a Young Bucks party, you'll be recognized. So, mm -hmm. depends on your age, listeners. You make the decision. Uh, the next suggestion definitely won't be original, but it, it'll be sort of popular. So... Dressing up as anybody from the Netflix original Squid Game. Squid mm -hmm. Game. You know? Yeah. That's, that's hot in the streets. It's one of those yeah. things. And it's one of those things, Mike, I just don't get. If you told me the premise of that show and you'd be like, hey, is this going to be popular? I'd be like, no. But there it is, being popular. So, Oh, yeah. You very know, popular. I have no <laughs> like idea. I have no idea what, what would be good or not. But... Uh, you know, yeah. seems like it would be easy to do. You put a tracksuit on, you put some numbers on the tracksuit, boom, you're in Squid Game. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, the next suggestion, second favorite of their suggestions here. This is an easy one. Everyone will get it, I feel like, and everybody will like it. Ted Lasso. There you go. That one, I feel like, do you know, you know Ted Lasso, right, Mike? Uh, no, I don't know. No, oh, my is. God, of course. So. Leave it to Mike. I should have known. <laughs> I should. Ted Lasso, Jason uh, Jason Sudeikis' uh, very popular show where he is a football coach that now coaches soccer. It's on Apple TV. It's right oh, behind yeah. Squid Game as being the most popular show. It was oh. the most popular <laughs> show in 2020. It's the second most popular show now in 2021 behind Squid Game. But, hmm. of course, everyone <laughs> at the party will know who you are, just not Mike. What? Yeah, Ted no. Lasso? Interesting. Who's that? Hmm. I have no idea. Okay. Eccentric host. host a coach. Coach. He's a coach. Coach. He's a coach. Whatever. Yeah. Host. Coach. Close enough. <laughs> Last one. My favorite one. I know you'll know who this is, Mike. Bernie at the inauguration. Nice. Yes. Yes. Get a winter jacket, a surgical mask, some mittens, and a folding chair, and you just get to look pit all night <laughs> yeah it's, i mean can that get any better that that's one that's a good one 
That one, like, I was like, if I could get me a nice, like, old man bald wig with some gray hair, mm-hmm. I might have to do that one. But again, that would require me putting in effort. So, nope. probably not going to happen. But, yeah. Mike, now that we have all the best suggestions, you're ready to hit up <laughs> Halloween. Are you ready to fire this show up? Let's do it. Five. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and liftoff. Woo! Mike, I am excited. The show today, we've got none other than Mark Broussard. This guy, this guy has been jamming for the last 20 years. I mean, tasty musical jams for the last 20 years. He's got all kinds of crazy things in his in his on his CV. Like he he played at the Miss America pageant in like 2012. What? Hmm. Who, what? What? Cool. Like, yeah, it's a cool thing on there. Played on, like, Leno, you know? Like, who gets to say they've been on Leno? This guy. That's who, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's got millions of streams on Spotify. He's from Lafayette, Louisiana. Can't wait to talk to him. He's got that super fun Bayou accent. Just love it. It's just fantastic. But first, we need to start where we start. Birthday suit. Happy birthday. Boom. There it is. Uh, (laughs) This one, it's in politics, but Hmm. I think you're going to get it. It's not, it's, it's, it's uh, historical politics. It's a large name. It's a large Hmm. name in politics. This will be another embarrassing one if you don't get it. So just get yeah. ready. <laughs> uh, born on October 27th, 1858 in yeah, New no, York City. It. Oh, no, you'll get okay. it. You'll get it. Be positive. <laughs> positive. Uh, he was born to a very well-to-do, prominent family in New York. He was very sick as a child, predominantly revolving around his asthma, but he was still very active. He ended up going to Harvard, where he excelled at many things. He was the editor of the Harvard Harvard Advocate and was in the Delta Kappa Epsilon fraternity. He then went to Columbia Law after undergrad. He became a member of the New York State Assembly in 1882. In 1896, he became the Assistant Secretary of the Navy. In 1898, he participated in the Spanish-American War in Cuba, He was part of the Rough Riders. He then became Mm. governor of New York in 1901. He then became vice president. Not too long after that, William McKinley, the president, was assassinated, and our birthday suit wearer became president. While president, he was known for busting business trusts, advocating for football, making the FDA, making the national park systems, and the creation of the Panama Canal. Our birthday suit wearer was shot right before a speech in 1912. After being shot, he addressed the crowd and said, Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know whether you fully understand that I've just been shot, but it takes more <laughs> than that to kill a bull moose. Say what? And then, after he said that, he continued to make a 90-minute speech. Jeez. 
Sadly, oh. our birthday suit wearer died of blood clot six years later in 1919. Historians still see him as one of the greatest presidents. He is one of the presidents on Mount Rushmore. Robin Williams played him in the movie uh, in the movie Night at the Museum. Name that birthday suit wearer. Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt is yes. correct. Yes. Yes. No hesitation. I like it, Mike. <laughs> no hesitation. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Teddy isn't one of my favorites. I appreciate a lot of his things. And we've had this uh, Tommy Putnam from Moon Taxi. I actually asked him. I forget how we got on it. But I asked him who his favorite president was. And he said Teddy. And I was like, yeah, I like Teddy. But he's not hes not up there as far as one of my favorites. Like, I like him. And definitely, I mean, I just love the fact his 1912, hey, guys, I've been shot. Word. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, I'm going to get like, that's pretty awesome. And it's so yeah. 1912 to address the, the group of just like, ladies and gentlemen, I've been <laughs> shot. Anyways, let me continue Wait, on. Wait, Doc G. Yeah. So who is your favorite president? It's tough, man. It's tough. There's a lot in there. I love Abraham Lincoln. Mm, Abraham yeah, Lincoln is an uh, amazing president. I, which I think has been way, way undersold throughout history, Ulysses S. Grant. Ulysses mm. S. Grant did so many great things, and people try to act like he was this huge drunk that was a failure with a bunch of corruption, but a lot of that was from people that still harbored a lot of hate because they were from the South and they were angry about the Civil War. He did amazing mm. things. Like, he had so much as far as civil rights in America. He brought the, he kept the country together for two terms at this super volatile time. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, just like, just like Abraham Lincoln. If he wasn't the president, we probably wouldn't be uh, one country at, right now without okay. Ulysses S. Grant. So he, I feel like, gets undersold. Uh, right. One of my other favorites that gets undersold, LBJ. I feel like Lyndon B. Johnson gets undersold because of uh, the Vietnam War, which I understand. That was a horrible mm -hmm. thing, and he kept us in it. But at the same time, he had some amazing, amazing policies here at home. He changed all kinds of things here at home. We wouldn't have Social Security. We wouldn't have civil rights. We wouldn't have all kinds of the modern-day things that we, you know, we know as Americans yeah. because of him. So, you know, I go for some, I go for some dark horses when we talk about uh, presidents. I go for the ones that people don't really see. Okay. Uh, but, you know, I, I, like, I like some of the other ones. I mean, you know... Uh, George Washington, first first one ever, obviously, big deal right there. That's yeah. uh, you know, that's a big deal. I go for him too. But those mm -hmm. those would be my 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 uh, my dark horse candidates right there. Nice. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Happy birthday to Teddy <laughs> Roosevelt. Let's see. Uh, that's some hard math there. He'd be one sixty three. Uh, 163rd birthday there. Okay, nice, nice. Uh, Mike, are you ready? We're going to rip some headlines. Yeah. Let's hear them. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Okay, Mike, big news from Europe. 
This has hmm. only okay. happened apparently in Europe uh, three times that they have it recorded. At least I think at a uh, at a nursery. Uh, this is a big thing. A penis plant is blooming. Wait, what? Yes. Uh oh. <laughs> yes. Now to be clear, Mike, that's not the Sinecio uh, articulatus or the Nephenus or the Trichoceros brigagesi. Word. These are also all plants. Apparently, okay. there 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 are many plants out there. Nobody mm -hmm. told me about this. There's tons of them. But this, the one we're talking about, is the Amorphophallus decus sylvae flower. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's known usually as the penis plant, but it's also known as the voodoo lily and the corpse flower. Ah. Uh. I've, yeah. I've heard I've heard about this. Yeah, it's called the corpse flower because it blooms and it smells like a dead body rotting. Yeah. Ew. Which is pretty gross. It's, yeah. Uh, that's pretty gross. Uh, <laughs> and that that attracts flies to it, and the flies pollinate this flower because you know they they rub the pollen all over them because they're like oh dead body my favorite. <laughs> and then they roll all over it, and they go uh, pollinate the plant. Um, the plant only blooms every five to ten years. Hmm. Yeah. So a that smells disgusting and only gets attention every five to ten years, I can relate, Mike. I can relate. <laughs> um, but just so you know, Mike, the rotting carcass smell only lasts for a couple days, so you better get over to Europe fast to smell this disgusting uh, plant. It's going to be I'm going good. away soon. So any listeners and the folks in Frankfurt, Dublin, um, where else? Genoa, Barcelona that listen to the show, make sure you get there quick, guys. Make sure you mm -hmm. get there quick. Uh, Mike, uh, you may have seen this one in the news. I don't know. This one was pretty big, so may, it might have reached you. Um, <laughs> re researchers in Canada were able to pinpoint when Vikings landed in Newfoundland. Hmm. I don't know. Did you see that? No. <laughs> okay. Uh, it was worth a shot. They, I don't know if you, have you, have you heard this before? That, you know, there's been claims and it's been long sort of accepted that Vikings were in North America way before Christopher Columbus was. Oh, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I've definitely heard that. And I think I saw that they found some, yeah. like, archaeological evidence of them being well, here. So what they did, and they do, they have, some, they have some evidence, but the thing was is they never really pinpointed it. So they had evidence, mm -hmm. but they're like, who knows when this was. They pinpointed right. it by doing carbon dating on some trees that they cut down, right? Because they knew they, they cut down trees to sort of make their fort and whatnot. Right, yeah. And it was in 1021, 1021 that they came, at least 470 years before Christopher Columbus went to the Bahamas. Yeah. 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 That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. But I got to say, like, Vikings really did not know how to vacation. Nope. You know, like, I mean, hey, you know what? I'm getting tired of Iceland. It's really cold. I'm thinking of heading over to <laughs> Newfoundland. Huh? Huh? Just imagine the two sweet months of summer we'll have. We're basically, <laughs> basically neighbors with Santa Claus. Oh God, it'll be dope. Like, come on, 
on, guys. Pick a better place. Like, go. Yeah, I don't know. Go down for, I mean, Christopher Columbus, he might have thought it was India, but at least he was in the Bahamas. <laughs> that's pretty, it's pretty nice. I'm saying, hey, guys, this India is pretty sweet. Huh? Anyways, 1021, Mike. 1021. That's when the that's, Vikings. Uh... Yeah. yeah, even though there were already people living here, and they'd been living here for 10,000 years. But, you know, mm-hmm. Vikings. Vikings. Anyways, Mike, <laughs> uh, weird story out of Florida, of course. Uh, this is out of uh, Indian River. So, uh, at Indian River Courthouse, Jordan Thomas showed up to the courthouse for an arraignment on a battery charge. Hmm. And he ended up getting arrested for more battery. So, he's getting arraigned for battery, and then he calls some battery while he was there. So, apparently, mm. at some point, Jordan got angry at Shantaria Roll, and he ripped the letter G off the courtroom three in the courthouse, on the courthouse wall, right? It was spelling something out, right. and he ripped the G off, and he threw it at Shantaria and uh, hurt her. Essentially knocked her out with the G. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna imagine, Mike, that investigators <laughs> are still searching for how to spell courtroom three with a G. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Was hmm. that what you were thinking? I was like, the whole time hmm. I was reading this story, I was just like, where's the G come from? And they yeah, didn't explain it. They Building? like, don't you think they would say like this is named after this person? So this is yeah. where they were just like a G. Like, of course, of course you spell Indian River with a G. Like, no. <laughs> what? What? Second, on top of that, this is the worst place to do illegal things, Mike. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't think you'd need to tell the listeners this, but I feel like I do. Um, you're not going to get away with illegal things at the courthouse. Just, no. Just so you folks know, it's not a good place. Mike, Mm-mm. this... Could, this this is my second or third favorite story here. I don't know. This uh, this one's up there though. Uh, this is from the New York Post. It's about a lady who had a uh, video go viral on TikTok. So the lady's TikTok was about how she requested all of her data from Amazon. Hmm. So you can you apparently you know you can do this. You can email them up and be like, hey. Give me all of my data that you've collected on me. And hmm. so she did that. I wonder that. what that looks like. Well, that's what... So she has two Amazon dots and an Echo device. And uh, she had Amazon send her all the files. And she literally got thousands of files of audio files of her talking to her Amazon device. Right? Of just her saying things. And uh, she said in the video, it turns out they have a full list of my contacts from my phone. And I never remember syncing that. (laughs) Then the very last thing she said, which really got me, she said, I didn't know they had. I could have assumed that they had, but I didn't know this. I don't love that they have my location. Word. Hmm. That was yeah. the last thing that she said, which, like, you didn't know they had your location? Huh? You have three devices that all have GPS that are synced to Amazon, and you probably <laughs> ordered 3,000 packages from them. 
Like, how do you? How would they not have where you're at? Like, of course, yeah, right. of course, they have where you're at. Hey, what's the weather today at this place that <laughs> it, I'm going? Exactly. To later? Like what? <laughs> now, Mike, do you have any? Do you have any smart speakers? Yeah, we got Google. Let's listen to the whole conversation right oh, now. <laughs> Jesus, no, Mike, no. I. Oh yeah. I, I don't. I don't have any. I don't have any smart speakers. Like I don't. Oh. I don't. I don't have any smart speakers. Sort of for this reason, but also for the reason that I'm just not that lazy. Like I. I honestly like. I don't need one to turn on my lights, or I can get up and do that. <laughs> I'm fine. Like, yeah. I don't need it. I don't need it. But you know what? I, every now and then, I do get a little concerned that maybe like Google and Amazon are are tracking my moves too much. Hmm. You know, like I get a little worried about it. I feel like a, yeah. a fugitive being tracked down by the police. You know, so really? well. So here's what I do though. I I throw them off the scent. Every oh. now and then, I'll just spend up to like ten minutes searching a bunch of things that don't interest me at all ah okay yeah you yeah throw off the algorithm exactly so i'll just go on and start searching for like pressure washers and crochet <laughs> hooks and okay. be like hmm yeah okay all right and then for the next couple of weeks i'll go on a website and it'll have a banner ad for a pressure washer and i'll be like yeah. oh nice try google looks like your dog's lost scent boom yeah <laughs> You know, although although I'll admit, sometimes it backfires. I do end up buying a pressure washer, and then I'm like, ah, it got me. It, it got, got me. me. It's a good ad. That's a good ad. But you know, you know, every now and then, I do, I do. I that really does. That really happens, folks. That really. I happens. lean into it. I lean into it. I want them to know all of my <laughs> habits. Learn and me. What I like. Learn yeah, me, I Google. I want the advertising. I want all of the suggestions. I want the algorithm to cater towards my. My life <laughs> i i am impressed a lot of times with what they come up with i'll be honest i am i am very impressed sometimes i'm like wow yeah you got you got in there guys you got in there okay this this i think mike <laughs> is my favorite one of the week um so mike this is an interesting story out of seattle and, and it, I mean, it got to national news, which surprised me. But the police busted an organized crime scheme that was stealing thousands of dollars of merchandise in downtown Seattle. This was an organized crime scene that was predominantly after one thing. Lego sets. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Now, don't worry. I checked with our guest from last week, Sam Birchfield. It wasn't him, so he was not <laughs> stealing these Lego sets. We're good. But apparently, this was such an issue that they even dedicated a full investigation with its own name. They gave it a code name. This was Operation Mandel Organized Retail Theft. Hmm. Yes. What yeah. was that M word again? Mandel. 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 Oh. I don't know what that's for. I guess maybe the area. I don't know. Okay. I, I have no idea. But uh, one of the employees of one of the stores that had been struck by this organized crime, he was walking downtown Seattle and looked in the store of a window of another business, and he recognized a lot of the items that were stolen from his store. And he was like, hmm. huh. 
And so this dude was like, you know what? Maybe I'm just being paranoid. But let me go in the store and take a closer look. And when he went into the store, he realized that all the products still had the RFID tags on them in the store. Girl, come on. They didn't even take off the trackers before reselling them. They left wow. the trackers from the original store on them. So the employee was like, uh, yeah, I'm pretty positive those are those are our, our Legos. So true. So he went to the police and was like, hey, um, I'm pretty sure the store over here is reselling our stolen merchandise. And the police were like, duh, God, okay, we'll check it out. Jeez. And the detective <laughs> went to the store, and while the detective was in the store, the shoplifter came in and was like, hey, I've got some more stolen merchandise to sell. Let's get this. And he sold more <laughs> merchandise while the detective was in the store. Girl, come on. So, obviously, the police had a pretty good case. They arrested the shoplifter and the owner of the store because he was knowingly reselling these stolen items, obviously. Now, mm -hmm. my probably my favorite part of the story is that the police had a photo op in their press room for the bust of the Mandel organized retail, uh, retail theft. And they, they piled all the Legos up like it was super troopers and they had just done a, bug, a drug bust. Like they, <laughs> they had all of these Legos sets like just piled up like, oh yeah, look at this. Hmm. Look, but like, just take a step back, Mike. So many things that I love about this story. Uh, this this story, like let me just let me just list these out. First, the best thing this dude could think of spending his time stealing was Legos. That's right. He was like an eight-year-old thinking up the crime of the century. Like, what would be so cool? Legos. I'm gonna get all the Lego sets from this place. Steal them. It will be amazing. Then. The shoplifter didn't go further than a couple of blocks down the street to resell <laughs> his merchandise. He was like, eh, you know what? Should be fine. This is 38th Street. Nobody from 33rd is going to come down here. That's way too far. No way. Then the store owner that was knowingly taking stolen merchandise was too lazy to take off the RFID tags. He could have just been like, you know what, take these. He was like, eh, what am I, an overachiever? Pass. <laughs> we'll just sell these. Like, what? Then the police had opened up a case. They basically had no leads for this case, and one of the victims had to solve the case. Imagine that in any other crime. Like, imagine in a murder case... The wife of the murdered guy has to be like, hey, I, I found the murderer. Here he is. Oh, thank God you found something. We couldn't find it. That was, thank you. Like, and then once the police finally solved the case, they stacked up the Legos like it was gold bars retrieved from an old <laughs> West wagon. Just, oh, so many great aspects, Mike. So many. Yeah. I love this. And which got me thinking. We should have, like, a story of the month. So true. I should, mm. like, where people can vote, where listeners can vote. Like, I should put something on the website for people to vote and on Instagram, too, where at the end of each month, we can, like, top story from each show. 
What do you yeah. think? Do you think that's stupid? I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Fantastic. Mike was paid to say that. Don't worry. Uh, we are oh, yeah. going to take. <laughs> we are going to take a break. We are going to be right back from our guest, none other than Mark Broussard. This is "I'll Love You More Than You'll Ever Know" right here on the Doc G Show. And we are back here on the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. That's right. Listeners, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, you need to be like our friends in Myanmar and Mm -hmm. subscribe, okay? They're getting it done in Myanmar. They are our number one fans, and we appreciate it. Yeah. Okay? You need to be like that. You need to go and say, what should I do with my pastime? I know. Subscribe to the Doc G Show. So true. That's what you need to do. And right now, we need to thank the regulars. We need to shout out the regulars. Here we go. Shout out. Shout out to Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Ashburn, Virginia, Gainesville, Florida, Radford, Virginia, Dublin, Ireland, Citrus Heights, California, Frankfurt, Germany, Katy, Texas, Anoka, Minnesota, Barcelona, Spain, Richardson, Texas, Mobile, Alabama, Peoria, Illinois, Genoa, Italy, Columbus, Georgia, San Diego, California, Winfield, West Virginia, and Boardman, Oregon. Shout out. Shout out. Yes. All around the world, Mike. All around the world. We got uh, Europe represented. We've got... I don't have Myanmar in there because that's a a new phenomenon. Guys, you keep listening in (laughs) Myanmar. We will put you on the regulars. Okay? We will put you on. Uh, Okay, semi-regulars. Here we go. Shout out. Shout out to Columbus, Ohio, Biloxi, Mississippi, Orlando, Florida, Calgary, Canada, New Paris, Indiana, Sydney, Australia, Sao Paulo, Brazil, Leesville, South Carolina, Chattanooga, Tennessee, Moscow, Russia, Omaha, Nebraska, London, United Kingdom, Morgan Hill, California, Misk, Belarus, uh, Phoenix, Arizona, Chicago, Illinois, Ottawa, Canada. There we go. There we go. Yeah, good list. Orlando. Yeah. Orlando. Orlando in the past has been regulars. They need to get back to regulars. I did. We had regular listeners in Orlando, and now it's just off and on. Some weeks Hmm. we'll have a good amount. Some weeks not. So I don't know what we can do to to get them to get them to convert. Maybe not make so many jokes about meth in Orlando. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> what other jokes are we supposed to write about? Exa- exactly. Exactly. <laughs> when when you're looking at Orlando, come on, guys. But thank you nonetheless. Thank you. Uh, oh, yeah. Mike, got to break out the miscellaneous file here. Um, cool. So as we discussed at the start of the show, it's Halloween time. And I don't know if you saw this, but there's a new Halloween movie on streaming services particularly on Peacock. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So they've got another Halloween, and this uh, this is titled Halloween Kills. <laughs> Halloween Kills. Yeah. So uh, if for listeners that don't know, uh, Halloween franchise that focuses on Michael Myers. And uh, Michael Myers is a dude that was supposed to have killed his sister uh, when he was a kid, and he was sent to a sanitarium, and he escapes, and then he goes around killing people in this uh, fictional town, 
Haddonfield, Illinois. That's, uh, yeah, yeah. The, Hall- the first Halloween was all the way back in 78. Jeez. That was the first Halloween movie, 78. Uh, and this new Halloween is supposed to play that play off of that. Like, literally, it's supposed to be the same, like, folks. And 40 years later. Like, Halloween Kills is supposed to be, like, now, 40 years after the original uh, Halloween movie. Which, which got me thinking with Halloween. You know, it's not really like other movies. Like, scary movies. He's like Freddy Krueger and like Chucky. Freddy Krueger, he's not a serial killer. He's a spirit of a serial killer. Like he's a yeah. ghost. He's got supernatural powers. And the same thing with like Chucky. He's the spirit of a serial killer in a doll. Like these are all like voodoo was involved. Michael Myers mm-hmm. isn't a ghost or a creature or possessed by a spirit. He's just a dude. That goes around yeah. killing people. I would like a movie that looks into Michael Myers' hobbies outside of murder. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how does Michael Myers fill the rest of his day when he's not murdering? Obviously, he can't <laughs> spend all 24 hours a day murdering people. That'd be exhausting. No. I want to <laughs> know what Amazon files look like for Michael Myers. Does he have an Alexa? What does he ask him? Mm. Does Michael Myers have a Twitch handle? Does he stream himself playing video games? These are the things that I want to know. I want the new Halloween installment to be titled There Are 364 Other Days of the Year. That's <laughs> that's what I want. I think it would be a fantastic movie that only I would enjoy because I don't like scary movies. And I'd be like, oh, that's nice. It's good to know that Michael has two sides. He's got a really (laughs) bad side that he needs to work on. Maybe talk to a psychiatrist. But he does other things, too. That's nice. You know what? You know what I imagine him doing? Like, if you were to have a movie like that, it would just be different shots of him just standing idly in a forest (laughs) with nothing around him. Uh, Just just him being in Zen, thinking. (laughs) Exactly. Just sitting mm. down in a chair mm. in an old rickety cabin, and it'd have to have it'd have to have that music like they had in the reality show with Ozzy Osbourne, where it's just the goofy like ding 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 yeah ding ding ding, and then he's like finally like oh finally I get to kill people all right back to normal he like looks at his watch yeah oh whew, thank God okay here we go um yeah so anyways. That's my movie idea. If anybody wants to pick it up, let's uh, let's talk. Mike, it's time for our favorite. We've been rolling with it for a while. Previously on the Doc G Show. Hmm. Let's recap. Previously on the Doc G Show. Okay, I don't have too many things for previously on the Doc G Show, but a couple of important things. First of all, last week on the show. Uh, it was Tom Petty's birthday. Tom Petty's birthday. And uh, you brought up one of your favorite uh, Tom Petty songs, Last Dance with Mary Jane. And you were like, oh, man, I love the video. And I was like, it was a famous lady that played the lady in the, the, the dead lady in the video. Couldn't think of who it was. Kim Basinger. That's who it was. Mm, Kim Basinger. Yeah. Yeah. From, from Batman. That's really the main thing I remember her from. The original 1989 Batman. That's That was her. But she's also 
in Tom Petty's uh, music video. So there you go. Now, mm. second thing to follow up on, listeners, Mike has done one of the biggest solids ever. He has really came above and beyond as the co-host because he sent me through the mail, through the USPS, some muddy bites. <laughs> you got them. I got them. Oh, that's awesome. We talked about them on the show. I can't remember. I think it was like now like a month ago or something like that. Yeah. But. It was a while ago. You told me you were sending me something, and in my head, I didn't want to ruin the surprise, but in my head, I was like, I wonder if it's Muddy Bites. I'm I'm going <laughs> to sort of be depressed if he sends me something like a new car, and I don't have Muddy Bites. <laughs> and luckily, it was Muddy Bites. So listeners, I'm going to try was. a Muddy Bite right now on the show. Oh, this is great. I'm going to try one here. I'm going to let you know here. I'm going to I'm going to shake them around. Get a get a random one here. Let's okay. All right. Okay, this one looks good. Here we go. Let's give it a try here. Oh man. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. <laughs> They're so good. Wow, that is I mean that is definitely the last bite of a Nutty Buddy Waffle Cone. Wow. Yeah. Those are super addictive. Yes! I am glad I did not get a five-bag deal of these, Mike. Thank you for only sending me one because I would sure, for sure have gained 40 pounds if I would have got all five. Man, that is nice. Yeah. I give, as far as like a, a chocolatey treat... I give that like a nine, nine out of ten right there. <laughs> that was nice. That's good. Have you, uh, yeah, it was. It, they're really good. Have you? How Definitely many? How many amazing. bags have you gone through, Mike? Well, we had two, so it comes with five. We had two, and I was like, oh, I gotta send Doc G. Nice, nice a pack of these things, Man. and then. Uh, yeah, we're so the rest out. Oh, good, two. good. You're, you yeah. started. That's hard though. You, I don't want to. You started I really a, don't want to. Started a charity of muddy bites. That's nice. Yeah, that's nice. You can't keep them in the house. It's, no, well, they'll be destroyed. No. Oh yeah, yeah, these are these are dangerous. I mean, look at this. What do we got? We got. Well, actually, it's. I mean, it's not as horrible as I would think. As I mean, it's only got twenty total yeah. carbohydrates for seven cones. That's not. That's okay. not that's not horrible. I mean, seven cones. No. There's only two two servings, and I mean, three hundred and twenty for the whole for the whole bag. See, I'm yeah, I, it's... I'm already reasoning with myself though. Like, oh, I could have fifteen <laughs> of these. It'd be completely fine. No worries. Can't do it. Yeah. Can't do it, Mike. But it's amazing, listeners. If uh, if you if you want to have a delicious. Chocolatey treat on a weekend, right there. Muddy bites. Muddy bites. Go do yourself yeah. a favor. Okay, Mike. Yeah. You got to commit though. You got to commit. You got to buy five bags. That's the only way they sell them. Yeah, you buy five they want to. It's it's just like it's it's basically like getting a subscription, man. Netflix. They want to rope yeah. you in. You're you're in. You have made a commitment. Mm -hmm. um, Mike. Last thing and previously on the Doc G show, this actually brings in. Another segment here. I told you last week that sometimes I feel like people forget the powered, the power of Millard's as a name. Yes. Mm -hmm. They forget how important Millard is. It was the name of a president. That's a fact. That's a special thing. Can you say that mm -hmm. with Connor or Grayson? No. You want to know <laughs> why? Because they're not as... As a Millard. That's why 
Millards are the bedrock of America, Mike, and we need to hold them on our shoulders and let people know they still exist. So, Mike... <laughs> this week, we're going to celebrate a Millard. Here we go. It's Millard time. This week, we are celebrating Millard Shane Thomas. Yes. Yes. Or as he's known on the streets, Millard ST. Wait, what? It's probably not known mm, as that. I, just, okay. I made that nickname up. That's his nickname, Millard ST. <laughs> Millard is the graphic designer for the Arizona Coyotes. Say what? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's a good gig. Yeah. Not only that, he's a fellow podcaster. Yeah. Yeah. There's a Millpod like out there, folks. There's a <laughs> Millpod. If you want to check it out, this dude has a podcast called Locked on the Diamondbacks. That's right. Yeah. Where you get all your information on Diamondbacks baseball. Apparently, Millard's all in on Diamondbacks baseball. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, I don't know. I'm not really a fan uh, of uh, baseball. Well, let me win you over with a review of the podcast. Here's a, here's a review from Apple. Quote, this is an interesting podcast and really well done by Millard. I think Millard gets away with really well-informed hot takes that are backed up by statistics. It makes for a great debate and is fun when listening. End quote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you believe it? That's right. Millard's pumping the mother effing hot takes on Diamondbacks baseball, and he's getting away with mm -hmm. it too, apparently. Okay? He's getting away with yeah. it. So, Mike, next time... When you're walking around and you're thinking, yeah, I guess there aren't many Millards in the world. You check yourself, Mike. You check yourself real <laughs> quick and you remember the spicy hot takes coming out of Millard Shane Thomas's face. And remember, some of the greatest work in the world can be attributed, none other, to Millard. That's how Millard effing party. There we go. Mm. Millards, Mike. Millards. Yes. Shout out to the Millards. Woo! Shout Millards, out. give yourself a celebration this weekend. Get some Muddy Bites if we can wrap both follow-ups together. <laughs> Get yourself some Muddy Bites and celebrate it. Um, Mike, we are going to take a break. We are going to be right back with none other than Mark Broussard right here on the Doc G Show. This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. Hey, what's up? This Rock Montana. This Mucho Yellow. And this Rockin' Yellow. And you're listening to Doc G Show from 803 to 904, the best show on the radio. You dig? Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, we are very excited to have an excellent singer and songwriter with what I have to say, an overall fantastic beard, Mr. Mark Broussard. Mark, how are you, sir? I'm great, Doc G. How are you, brother? 
You know, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I got to ask, uh, how's everything in the hometown after Hurricane Ida? Well, luckily, here in southwest Louisiana, I'm just about uh, 40 miles north of the Gulf of Mexico as the crow flies. But for whatever reason, Lafayette always fares fairly well in these storms. I mean, we've, we've had some pretty, you know, damaging storms over the over the, the course of my life. Yeah. Uh, but this last storm that came through, luckily was not was not very difficult for us to handle so all is good in my world the guys in the band that live down closer to new orleans and down near homa yeah they definitely had a lot more to deal with than we did uh so there's still i mean and there's still tons and tons and tons of devastation in the state of louisiana oh yeah uh you know frankly maybe maybe the better idea would be nobody to live anywhere close to the coast but <laughs> Yeah, that's another day. Yeah, you got the same problem in Florida. That's for sure. That's it's it's hard no doubt. hard to stay away, man. It's hard to stay away. And speaking of, uh, you've got a show uh, when this interview will air, October twenty seventh. You've got a uh, inter- a uh, show in Savannah, fairly close to us. There, you're going to be uh, performing at District Live down on River Street. Now, I know that's. That's a that's a like a brand new uh, venue, but I'm guessing you've played Savannah a good number of times before, right? We've done Savannah a handful of times. It's not, it hasn't really been a mainstay uh, as a stop on the tours for 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 us uh, up until recently. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say within within only the last maybe five or seven years or so. And in fact, um, it's you know largely due to the fact that. Uh, a Jacksonville fellow by the name of J.J. Gray ended up calling me mm. up one day and, and having me jump on a tour bus with him. And and luckily, I, I was able to make my way through Savannah for the first time with J.J. And and so uh, massive thanks to Jay for, for giving me that foothold in, in another American, amazing American town. I was about to say, how do you like Savannah? Man, I love it. In fact, uh, my wife, I took my wife as soon as I could um, the next time we went to savannah I, I flew her out and we picked up a bunch of artwork we've got uh all the stuff basically hanging on our walls from it's from savannah <laughs> nice i feel i feel and you can you can obviously correct me if i'm wrong but like i feel like there's it's basically like a toned down new orleans like there's some similarities there between the two cities it might just be because they're both old southern cities but I get I get a similar vibe. Do you get any similar vibes between the two cities? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know that uh, Savannah, Charleston, and New Orleans I think are all born out of the same spirit mm-hmm. and sort of you know continue to have that that vibe, that cultural sort of uh, through line, if you will, from from the distant past. And so uh, yeah, I mean I love walking those streets in Savannah. I love walking the streets in Charleston as well. Yeah. And they definitely remind me a lot of New Orleans. Now, have you ever hit up River Street Suites in Savannah? I I don't think I have. Need to. I've only I've only had you know we're, we're passing through these towns on our days, uh, on our show days, and we don't really have a ton of time to go fully explore. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping I can get out there next time. Get a chance. It's right down the street from the venue. Best candy shop Killer. in the country, to in my opinion. It's oh man, so All right. so good, so good. Well. For the rest of 2021, 2022, you got a pretty good number of shows that have built back up after the pandemic there, uh, all the way East Coast, West Coast. You got a good number of shows in Florida uh, at the start of 2022. You're going to be in Boca Raton, 
uh, Key West, Clearwater, Sanford. Uh, and I heard that your very first gig ever was in Florida, in Destin, Florida. That's exactly right. Yeah, my dad used to, to book a family vacation uh, around this gig that he had once a year in Destin, Florida. Mm. Um, and, and you know, probably about a week and a half before we took off that vacation, uh, somewhere around 1987, summer of 1987, mm -hmm. uh, about a week before we left for that vacation, my dad realized that I could sing. And so he put me on stage that weekend. Man. So you were, you were what, like five, six? Yeah, I was five and a half. Jeez. Gee, do you, I mean, do you remember what you sang? Yeah, I sang a song called Johnny Be Good. You might have heard of it. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's, that's, Coming in with the hard stuff of of, of Chuck Berry there. Uh, now, uh, w w I'm I'm guessing there was a pause. I mean, in between that first gig and before you actually started like regularly playing gigs, or did you just go back at the age of like six and just start setting up gigs in Lafayette? No, there was definitely a a, a bit of a pause. But when my dad could accommodate it, you know, when it, when he was playing some kind of a festival or an all ages show. Uh, he would bring me along and then even, even, you know, as a roadie, like I would just, I would just come along for the ride. I would carry his amp. I'd carry his guitar yeah. and, uh, stand side stage. And then, you know, maybe, maybe get up and sing a song or two. So throughout the course of my childhood, you know, I would, I would randomly once, maybe every other month, I would go out to a gig with, with my dad and sit in with the band that he was playing with or his band. Nice. And, uh, and then I finally started playing sort of full-time um, right around 17, 18 years old is when I started actually earning money playing music. Gotcha. And then by 20, by 20 I was a full-time musician. Yeah. And now, now, when you were going around with your dad doing the, the ones every now, now and then shows, was it all over the board as far as music, or were you doing sort of what you did on the, the SOS albums as far as doing, like, soul covers? Because it seems... That's one of the, the areas you love to hit. Yeah, I mean, and my dad's band at the time, you know, he was with a band in 1991 called the Boogie Kings, which is like yeah. sort of a, a a revolving door since the 1950s of, of different musicians to come in and uh, and play in this band. It's like a, a sort of horn band that play Blue-Eyed Soul. Mm -hmm. And so most of the sitting in that I was doing as a kid was with, you know, with stuff like that, with singing Otis Redding and yeah and uh and whatever else i could i could sink my teeth into back in those days um and then once i started playing my own kind of cover shows we started doing some kenny Loggins stuff and some james taylor and nice uh a little bit of eric clapton just like trying to tr trying to throw in as much pop music as we could yeah uh, this is 1998, 99. So we're, you know, we're pulling covers from the 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, and and then I started writing, you know, when I was in high school, uh, and didn't become really a, you know, recording artist until, like I said, uh, when I was 20, I was finally put out my first EP. Yeah, yeah. On on the, I know, I know, it's sort of like choosing children because you've you've recorded most of these these great artists. Uh, re-recorded some of their their songs like Al Green and Solomon Burke and Otis Redding, Sam Cooke. Uh, do you have a favorite of those old singers? 
Can you can you choose a favorite? Oh yeah, uh, I think Donnie Hathaway has to top the list. Mm. Wow, um, it's been it's been that way for uh, going on twenty years now. Ever since I discovered him, I, I, I was late to the Donnie Hathaway game. Though, yeah, so it's almost still a, a you know a honeymoon stage, <laughs> even twenty years later. Um, but once I discovered his voice. I realized that his voice was my favorite of all time and that his voice had pretty much influenced everybody else that was on the list previous. Yeah. That was my, that was rated as my favorite. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I think the listeners know, but I, I've, I've got to go Sam Cooke when I go old soul singers. Just the... It's brilliant. It's brilliant. But it, uh, it's something also that's sort of out of my range. Sam was yeah. more of a tenor, whereas I'm more of a baritone. And so... Uh, there's a lot of Sam's catalog that once I hit puberty, I was no longer able to sing. Yeah. It... Same, same with, you know, my early, my, my first, first real, uh, album that I ever bought with my own money was a Brian McKnight album. Mm. And, and, uh, same thing with Brian's stuff is, uh, once I went through puberty, I could no longer sing it. <laughs> it definitely, I mean, that definitely changed some artists. Like I remember hearing the same thing about like, uh, Usher. And actually, and Justin Bieber too. They both, you know, they were singing these these much higher, higher pitch songs. And then when they went went through puberty, it's like, oh crap, got to learn how to sing with without doing that high pitch now. Yeah, same thing with Marvin Gaye. You know, Marvin Gaye sings a lot of stuff in falsetto, and my falsetto has never been very strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, it tends to kind of shred up after yeah. a night or two of singing. <laughs> Um, and so as much as I love Marvin Gaye, I just never could dig so hard into that catalog the way that I can with Donny Hathaway or Stevie Wonder even. Yeah. Stevie's definitely got some stuff that pushes me out and that pushes outside of my range, but, but there's a lot of his stuff that I can sit right, right in. Yeah. Now, did you, I, I mean, with that, I'm guessing since you played these so many times and sang them with your, with your dad, uh, did you find it daunting, like to, to sing those songs? I think on SOS One, I was just making a, an album out of desperation after having getting dropped from a, a record label mm-hmm. uh, and not being allowed to to walk with the, the original record that I had just recorded. Yeah. So we were kind of in a scramble mode, and I, I wasn't even thinking about it at all. Mm. But by the time we recorded SOS Two, I was very very cognizant of of the task that we were undertaking. Yeah. And and, and sort of upset in myself for having the hubris to do it um but more than anything i think we really wanted to convey just how much respect we have yeah for those original versions which is why we we stay so true to those original recordings you know the initial spirit of those albums is to introduce my younger fans to the music that had influenced my life yeah and my music and do it in a way that was sort of an attempt to capture lightning in a bottle the second time. Yeah. Um, so we really desperately wanted to make sure that we paid homage uh, to those original recordings and and stay as true to them as possible. Yeah, for sure. And then, uh, and then again, you know, I did a, a tremendous amount of homework. Not only did I go through probably 10,000 tracks to, to get that list down to 12, um, each time, and, and we did it by committee between me and my manager and my band. Mm. We uh, we would all vote on the final playlist at the end of the day, 
Um, we all got to contribute, and and it, I mean, it's a months long process. Yeah, to finally get it down to a, a, a workable playlist. Yeah, but um, yeah, there's no doubt about it, man. There's there's a tremendous amount of respect that goes into those recordings. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, going back to original, like where where you said you actually started performing uh, on your own, you know, seventeen, eighteen. Uh, and you started actually doing these gigs on on your own. Uh, how's how's Lafayette's music scene? When you start playing, I mean, were you playing around there, or did you have to travel outside of the area? Well, my father's what's what they call around here a uh, weekend warrior, mm-hmm. and uh, these guys, you know, make their living basically within the confines of the state of Louisiana, typically. Uh, might pick up, you know, a few high school reunions here and there over the Texas border. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but for the most part, um, these guys are supplementing their their regular income with gigs on the weekend up and down I-10. Yeah. And so most of those gigs that my father was playing when I was a kid were, were you know, within a 50-mile radius more than likely. I would say 90% of those gigs were within a 50-mile radius. And did you start hitting those spots yourself when you started playing on your own? Well, it's sort of a, a weird um, transition from high school. Uh, basically, at the end of high school, I was starting to play some shows. Mm-hmm. Picked up a regular Friday night gig at a spot down downtown Lafayette mm-hmm. called the Sidebar. Mm-hmm. And uh, I made enough money doing that shortly before graduation to convince myself not to go to college. <laughs> <laughs> even though I had, even though I had full scholarships everywhere I applied, because I had, you know, I had great grades and I was, a, you know, all state choir for four years in a row, so I, I could have gone kind of anywhere I wanted to. Yeah. Uh, but I was making enough bread, and I wanted to be a musician. I knew that. Yeah. So I figured I was, you know, I'd just be wasting time going to going to school. Mm. But right after high school, I picked up a job as a music minister at a church in New Iberia, Louisiana, and sort of just fell off the map over the course of the ensuing two years. Mm. Um, wasn't really playing, you know, the, the cover shows much anymore, save for a few restaurant gigs here and there with my dad. But um, after two years of living in New Iberia, uh, a, an old friend of mine, Ross Dupre, who was a music manager here mm-hmm. in Lafayette at the time, mm-hmm. called me up and said, hey, I got a band I want you to come open for. And that was sort of the start of my re-emergence back into the Lafayette music scene. Man. And within, probably within uh, six months, I had a new manager out of New York. I had a record deal and uh, we were on our way to, to putting out our first EP. Wow, I turned around fast. That was very man. Now, now I I've never been to Lafayette. If I come to Lafayette and uh, and I call you up and I say, "Hey, Mark, never been here. I need a good place to eat." Obviously, ton of places. What what would oh, be brother. what would be one of your top places that you say you got to try this out? I'll give you two. Okay, I'll give you two for breakfast. I, in my opinion, there is no better breakfast dish on planet Earth. It's a place called the French Press downtown Lafayette. French Crest, all right. The French Press. There are two things that you got to get. There's a, a biscuit called the Sweet Baby Breezes, 
Mm. It's just a, a little maple biscuit covered in cane syrup, and it's got what's called a boudin patty. Mm. For those that don't know, boudin is is like a rice dressing. It's a pork rice dressing. So it's all the gizzards and livers and all that stuff of the pork yeah, mixed into a rice and then put into a sausage casing. You, typically, you find it at it, most of the gas stations around here. They sell it by the link, mm-hmm. and it's delicious. It's it's an incredible thing. Well, this guy takes it out of the out of the sausage casing, makes a little patty, and puts it on a biscuit. Mm. It's fantastic. Mm. And then for your your actual entree, you got to get the Cajun Benedict, Ooh. which is a traditional eggs Benedict uh, with French bread instead of English muffin, uh-huh. French bread, two slices. Then there's a boudin patty on each of those slices. Then there's cheese and then the poached eggs. And both of those are set in a bowl of chicken and sausage gumbo. Whoa. Whoa. It's, it's phenomenal. Man. It'll knock you in the dirt, man. Yeah. And you can add fried shrimp and fried oysters. Too, <laughs> and I'll suggest it. It sounds, sounds like I would be moving slow the rest of the day after you, that. Oh, yes, brother. This is a, a, a day ender of a meal. <laughs> and then for lunch, if you got room for lunch, if you if you can stand it. Maybe the next a, day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a fantastic spot right down the road, right around the corner from the French press, downtown Lafayette called Pops Po' Boys mm. that I think is just outstanding. They have the best Po' Boys I've ever had. In fact, the first time my wife and I ever went there, we got their shrimp po' boy. It's called the Delcom Dandy. Mm. And and we we sat in our car. The guy also bottles his own soda. He calls Ooh. it Swamp Pop. Nice. My wife got the, uh, the Setsuma Fizz, and I got the root beer. Mm. And we both sat in our car eating our shrimp po' boy silently. And, and about four or five bites in, we kind of look over at each other. <laughs> And we both were getting teared up, man. I'm not even joking. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. We were both getting... It was like nostalgia. It was like the first shrimp po' boy you ever tasted when you were a five-year-old kid, you know, after playing at the baseball park all day. And you didn't realize how hungry you were until you took that first bite. Man. It was it was nostalgia on tap, man. It's, it's an amazing sandwich. Man, Pop's po' boy, an emotional experience. Ah, jeez. That is yeah. That, I can't say that I, I can't say that I've ever had that before. That is nice. That well, <laughs> well, I yeah. I'm definitely. I'm I'm trying both. Um, I'm definitely. I might even make just a trip just to try those. There may be no other reason other than food. <laughs> I think. I think that's a that's a good enough reason to go anywhere, right? No doubt about it, brother. Trust me. Both of these things are worth the trip alone. Nice, nice. Well, I mean, you mentioned your wife. Uh, you've you've had a, a long career in music, and your wife has basically been there for pretty much the whole career. And I actually, oh, yeah. I heard the 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 very first time you called her on the phone, you just started singing to her. It was it was a cold call song. Did that happen? Yeah, yeah. Ah man, I was I was just imagining that like in reverse, like if I was sitting there and my phone rang and I picked it up and there was just some lady singing. How like how freaked out I'd be. Was was your wife a fan of the singing? She was not. She was definitely <laughs> put off right away. She she actually told me to stop singing. <laughs> um, you know, 
I, I just had no game. I was I was a 17 year old punk mm. who had absolutely no game when it comes to to approaching uh, the opposite sex uh, outside of of you know what I thought was my was my golden ticket, and that's my my singing voice. Yeah. She was totally unimpressed, well, completely and utterly unimpressed. It, it was it was actually what what it took. What it took was the the following months uh, at school while walking her to fourth period. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a, a row of holly bushes right outside of the building mm -hmm. that her classroom was in. And I would pretend to trip and fall into those holly bushes literally every day. And I'm not even exaggerating. I said every single day for about six months. Nice. Right in front of her. Persistent. And I would just do it to embarrass her because everybody, like no one else knew that I was faking it. Yeah. She was the only one that knew I was faking it. But that finally got her got her attention. Persistence. Yeah, I mean, you know, the singing might not have impressed her, but at least she let you hang around still afterwards or at least to no tolerate it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now... Uh, several years uh, after that, way down the road, you guys actually, you guys got, I mean, again, connected to your, your career. You got married on the rock boat uh, in 2008 there. And uh, was that was that an impromptu wedding? Like, were you planning, were you going onto the boat knowing like, hey, let's get married on this boat? Or was it like, uh, you know what, let's do this thing? We, we definitely planned to get married on the boat, but it was sort of a last minute thing. I mean, we, we knew that we were, we knew weeks in advance that we were going to get married on the boat, but no one in our family knew. Mm. Um, uh, my mother-in-law, I think, was the only person in the family that knew. Mm. I, I've, I've had several uh, friends getting married here the last couple of weeks, and i got to be honest. Uh, it seems like you guys went the right route. It's a lot Man, put I, in. I've, I've already told my kids that, that my daughters, I said, what you're going to get on your wedding day from us is either a $20,000 check for a down payment on a house or something or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's yeah, the way it's, to go. It's, it, it's, a, it's a day for the people getting married. You know, it's a day for my wife and I. It had nothing to do with anybody else but her and I. Yeah. Um, and and we're very grateful that we were, were fortunate enough to have some friends uh, that were there on the boat. I actually handed out invitations to passers-by as they were walking by the chapel. I just stood outside the chapel about 10 minutes before the wedding and and handed out invitations to, to randos that were walking by the chapel. Um, so, that included Better Than Ezra. Nice. That included my, my dear friend, David Ryan Harris. You know, it included uh, some of the guys from Sister Hazel. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, all in all, we, we, we had a great, Great time getting married on the rock boat. I wouldn't change a thing. Very nice. Uh, shout out to Sister Hazel. We had him. We had him on the show. That actually got me thinking when when I saw that about you getting married on the rock boat. I was like, you know what? We've had a lot of people, a lot of alumni of the rock boat. How many people from the rock boat have we had on the show? And I counted it up. We're we're up to eighteen people on the show. And I was like, I was thinking to myself, I was like, that's. It's definitely more than any other radio show or podcast. Nope. And then literally like a couple minutes later, I realized that there was a podcast called The Boatcast, which pretty much only talks to performers that have been on the rock right. boat. And I was like, oh, yeah, they probably yeah. had more than us. Okay. Yeah, uh, you got you got a little ways to go. <laughs> but uh, it for you, 
Great memory. I I, I think I uh, if I get married, rock boat. That's what I'm going for. Not I'm not gonna try to steal it. Maybe I'll do a different boat. I'll just do you know and just a regular boat. Not yeah, Doc. I, I I think the best strategy is to elope, have a very quiet small ceremony, and then throw a party in your backyard. Mm -hmm. That's what we did. I called up a few buddies of mine that that uh, that happened to sell liquor, uh, and we illegally uh, partnered with <laughs> their with their buyers to piggyback my order on their orders. Nice. And uh, and I paid them really well and let them get tipped out. They both walked away with eight hundred dollars a man bartending for me that night. And I think it cost me about fifteen hundred bucks to serve top shelf booze all night long to about one hundred and fifty people. Totally worth it. Much, much, totally worth it. Much easier, much better. Um, well, uh, sort of curveball from the 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 good night fun there. Uh, awesome project that you've been doing for the majority of your career that we already talked about a little bit is the SOS project, and you've raised money for all kinds of uh, important charities. Uh, you helped raise money for Our Lady of the Lake Children's Hospital in Baton Rouge. Um, whole bunch of different causes and most recently you released an installment uh an album of lullabies and uh in writing a children's book titled i love you for you very important message obviously uh overall how did the project shape up in your opinion because you you released that about two years ago in 2019 how did everything shape up from that man it's been an amazing journey you know um the whole mission behind the sos foundation was to to take the dollars that that i used to earn on behalf of record labels mm -hmm. and earn those dollars on behalf of folks that were in dire straits yeah and so the the first charity project we did was for homeless women and children shelter out of atlanta mm -hmm. that does some of the most comprehensive uh homeless work that i've ever seen they boast 97 percent success rates with getting women and children permanently off the streets and and they've expanded since uh since we started working with them they've expanded to include men's programs as well um and then the lullaby album and the book project as well uh you know uh we've we've managed to raise at least ten thousand dollars in the last couple of years for our lady of the lakes children's hospital um there's probably another check that we can write very very soon very nice. uh, hopefully after this after this interview airs um it didn't go nearly as well as as the previous project was the soul covers project mm -hmm. um but but again the mission is to is to have these projects live live on in perpetuity and continue to be uh, a seed for for you know donor donor dollars for these organizations for you know long after i'm gone so yeah um i, I i'm not going to measure the success on these projects in the short term I don't think we can. I don't think it's it's uh, it's doing them justice at all. So yeah, for sure. Now, now long, long legs. That's the good news. We got long legs. <laughs> well, I've I've heard you I, I've heard you mention how you know the the SOS project started there. Like you said, when you when you switched over from major record labels to independent, and you were getting this money. Was that? Did you see that coming? Because it sounded like it ca caught you off guard. That all of a sudden you're like, whoa, what? I get money from this? That's cool. Like, did you did you see that coming as an independent artist? Um, I, I definitely saw it coming. In fact, I wanted to give 100% of the proceeds of the SOS projects away. 
because I never saw it when I was on the major labels, yeah. I never came to rely on it for my family's needs. Yeah. So when when that money did start showing up, it was just lanyap. And I said, well, I you know I'm comfortable living the life that I, I'm I'm at currently. I don't need an, a bunch of extra money. Let's let's stick the karma on this money and and turn it into something positive. Nice. So yeah, I mean I'm, I definitely plan. My managers ultimately convinced me that that I wasn't as financially well healed as I thought I was, <laughs> and that I needed to, to take at least something from the project. So yeah, fifty percent was the final was the final settlement, and uh, nice. and and hopefully we can we can get that up to a hundred percent in the future. Yeah, well now on the the most recent uh, children's book there. Uh, Rebecca Phillips did the the illustrations, and she she made all the characters animals. And uh, I I'm I'm guessing the two the, the two main characters are you uh, in the book, you and your your daughter. Uh, and she made you Correct. guys beavers. Uh, did you did you get uh, input on that before? Like, did you have choice on animal, or did she just show you and you were like, oh, you made me a beaver? I don't know if that's my spirit animal. Did you did you get a choice on animal? I I did get some choice, and um, we actually ended up settling. My character is actually an otter. Oh God, I'm, I, incorrect animal. I'm sorry. Otter. He's just a big fat. He's just he's just sort of a chubby chubby <laughs> otter. Rebecca did give me some options um, right at the beginning, and and I settled on the otter. I thought he looked he looked the most. Uh, you know the the, the safest because <laughs> you know m my big old beard sometimes i i love kids so much yeah that i actually have to kind of restrain myself you know i have to like give them a distance high five or some knuckles <laughs> instead of just grabbing them and hugging them like i want to because <laughs> I, I just love kids i think they're the most precious things on planet earth and sometimes my big old red beard will will throw the kids off so i want oh, yeah. a friendly face that's why we settled on the otter i wanted something that the kids would love nice Nice, something that you don't always give off in the in the real world. It's a, I I definitely know the feeling when I'm at uh when I'm in a grocery store, and a kid will lock on to me and see me and just sort of stare at me, and they don't know what to make of the beard. They're like, what what is that? And they're just like wherever I go, they just sort of follow me, and it's not like they're scared. They're not excited. It's just like. What? I don't know what to make of this thing. I don't know. And like, I'll wave at them, and they're just like, "Okay, I guess he's friendly." I don't know. I don't know. So I can, I can understand. It's tough for beard guys sometimes. It's a little tough. Sometimes, man. Sometimes, especially those of us that that just want to be pals with the little kiddos. You know? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, now I heard over the pandemic, like a lot of musicians, you you wrote, you wrote a whole bunch of music. Like you've got. 60 songs or so that you've been working on uh, with Eric Krasno. Um, was, is, is there an overarching theme to all of this music that you were inspired to write, or was it just all kinds of different things coming to you? So there's no overriding theme, or at least there wasn't necessarily a through line until I started working with Kras. Mm -hmm. um, so I had a battery of about 50 songs and uh, started talking to Krasno about working together to record some of that material, mm -hmm. but suggested that he and I write some stuff together just to just to get a feel for what kind of stuff we could do together, yeah. and see if we could beat any of the material that I had. 
Nice. Um, and and you know what 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 initially was supposed to be you know one or two songs turned into ten songs, uh, basically overnight. Very nice. And and that's when that's when a real theme for a, an actual project emerged because um, those tracks all sort of feel cohesive, like a cohesive thought. The fifty that I have prior, we can definitely assemble. You know, several different projects that will that will be cohesive, but at the end of the day, the stuff that Kraz and I have done together is definitely definitely one solid thought. And so, very nice. The goal now is to uh, is to is to get some of this stuff, some more of it recorded. We actually have two tracks that are mastered that we're hoping to put out very very soon. Mm. Um, in sort of a new a new way, we're going to launch a new fan club. Mm. Uh, so you won't be able to get these tracks anywhere but through the fan club you'll, oh. you'll not get up on spotify or apple or amazon or youtube or anywhere else you got to be the real dealer you gotta you gotta go for it you gotta be in the club yes sir. nice nice now was that your first time working uh with eric um eric and i have done some writing in the past we've not done much recording mm-hmm. outside of you know demoing the stuff that we've written we've played some shows together um but uh, this is definitely, you know, the most the most in depth that he and I have worked together, and I am having a ball, man. It's it's been a dream. He's an unbelievably talented musician and songwriter, and uh, and we've wanted wanted to work together for a long, long time. You know, yeah. we just never fully fully jumped all the way in. Uh, and so I'm I'm fired up because I think the fans are gonna love the stuff that we've done together. Well, give give us uh, give us one song from this this group of you and Eric songs. Like, give us the name of a song you're most excited for people to hear. Out of these these two new tracks that we're gonna drop soon, uh, one's called Fire and one's called Mood, mm. and they're, they're they're quite different from one another. Mm-hmm but they're both real catchy. I'm anxious to find out which one uh, is going to is going to stick with people more. I have a feeling that mood is going to stick with people. Mm. They're just going to it's going to stick in their bones a little a little tougher. We'll see though. Mm. Mm. Do you think that I mean is it is it really different from your your you know your other projects as far as the sound and whatnot or Well, fire fire is a throwback. So I, I had been after um, Al Green's "Take Me to the River." I had, mm. I had sort of been chasing that vibe for years. Yeah, and you know, I'd written, had several several attempts at writing songs that were in that vein, and it just never could get there. And then finally, Kraz and I got there. So, "Fire" nice. is 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 basically an homage to Al Green's "Take Me to the River." In fact, I've name check Al. I give him a shout out at the top of the song. Nice shout out. Nice mood. Mood is this sort of darkly themed uh, song about you know there's something about your mood that's that's telling me something's off with you. Mm. I don't know what it is. I can't pinpoint it, but there's something about your mood that's telling me that maybe I need to start paying closer attention to what you got going on. <laughs> I like so it. it's got it's got some some fire and it. it's got some some real coming behind mm-hmm. the uh emotion and the lyric you know very nice very nice now uh is this you said the the two singles are gonna be sort of uh, it you know special release are you planning on making the album 
a full special release or is the album going to be released? Or are you doing a full album? Are you going to release all, you know, all 10 of the songs as an album? Uh, I don't know yet. I think ultimately at the end of the day, um, we're going to let sort of the, the fans decide what to do. Mm. So the goal right now is to, to launch a new fan club with the promise of two brand new originals every month. Wow. As well as several live stream concerts, a couple of live stream concerts and, and some other some other social media content that I should be putting up on social, you know, on Instagram and Facebook. Um, but uh, I won't be doing that. Those channels will turn strictly into promotional channels. Yeah. Uh, want direct, if you want to directly interact with, with me and, and get all the new content, it'll be through the fan club alone. Nice. Nice. We'll see. We'll see where that leads, man. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure where it's leading. It's. It's something that we're. You know, we've never really seen done in, in quite this way before. Yeah. Uh, so I'm anxious to find out exactly how it's going to go. I mean, I, I'm guessing you. You just chose that route because I mean, you saw. I mean, as far as the way people are sort of consuming singles now, and as as much as sort of uh, social media has changed as far as people going and and watching these these live streams uh is that really what sort of pushed you is just hey this this could probably work better honestly it has more to do with my desire to service the audience i have Mm. um than than anything else Mm. uh so much of my career has been focused on trying everything in my power to grow my audience yeah uh and so there's just there's there's outsized efforts uh mental and physical put into satisfying customers that we may never acquire Mm -hmm. where i actually have a a really strong fan base that's been with me now for almost 20 years yeah uh that have been been loyal as day as long that have put food on my table and a roof over my head and i feel like the distributed strategy that we have with regards to social media just doesn't serve that fan base very well. Yeah. So uh, I want to find a way to, to serve that fan base better and more directly and have have more direct input from them um, so that we can just have a, a better experience as a, you know, as a fan and artist relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, they don't do it obviously exactly like you were talking about as far as this new idea, but Sister Hazel definitely has a good relationship like that with their fans they have a a, they definitely found that group of folks that are sister hazel the hazelnuts as they call them and they just they work that group man they uh they they make sure that the fans are satisfied and uh i'm i'm sure the the mark broussard uh fans will enjoy this new this new outlet get some get some more mark time man we shall see (laughs) Uh, i hope well, uh, anything else? Uh, is that the main focus for 2021, or do you have any other projects that you're trying to, to get out there besides the, the this these new songs? No, man, that's the main focus. Uh, you know, like I said, we're going to be dropping new material on the regular. We're going to be doing more live streaming concerts as well. Uh, so we'll be able to zap into your living room if we can't if you can't see us at a venue near you. But awesome. the goal really is the streets again man to get back out on the road and play shows that's where we find the most enjoyment you know that's where that's where we really 
do our best work. And so we're just going to get out as much as we can and play as many shows as we can. And I hope to see a bunch of happy faces in the crowd. For sure. For sure. Well, you can check them out, listeners, in Savannah. And, uh, Mark, we are up against a break. I want to thank you, though, for coming on the show today. You got it, my brother. Take care, Doc. All right, guys. Listeners, you can check out all things Mark at markbroussard.com or follow him on Instagram at markbroussard. Right now, let's take a listen to Home Anthology Off the Home, the Dockside Sessions, right here on the Doc G Show. And we are back here on the Doc G Show. You just heard Mark Broussard right there. Say what? Mark, fantastic. Wish I had that accent, Mike. So true. It's a fantastic <laughs> accent to have. Uh, Cajun one's just fun. Like, southern accent, hillbilly accent, that's not as fun. Cajun? No. It's just fun. It's just, you're just like, oh. Like, like uh, Ed Ogeron. You know, still the coach of LSU, not for too long, but still the coach right now of LSU. That just, every time he talks at a press conference, I'm just like, that's cool. Wish I wish I talked like that regularly. That's fun. That's fun. I don't have that. <laughs> but I got to talk about this place. I got to talk about this Pops Po Boys. Yes! Uh, we looked this up, listeners, during the break, and my God, is this some amazing stuff here. My yeah. God, if I live beside Pops Po Boys, there is no doubt I would not be a healthy individual after a couple. That's a fact. <laughs> I would be very, very overweight. Uh, this this place is amazing, Mike. I know you've been looking at the menu. Did have you picked out yeah. your favorite that you'd want to eat on the Po Boy side? Um, super boring, but just their original po' boy sandwich. Just the amazing. classic. And then whatever, yeah, whatever that cheesy side dish that they have mm. is, uh, mm. man, photography is incredible. The Marty Mac Fry, is yeah. that the one you're talking with the, with the fries underneath? Or are you talking about Mimi's Mac and Cheese? Because mm. both, um, both Maybe of them. it was the Mac and Cheese. Okay. Okay. Either one. I'd get both. I would get both. You know what? I would just be like, can I get a sampler of everything on the menu? I will pay <laughs> exactly. for everything on the menu and take a bite from each thing. I mean, the the Bordeaux with the fried catfish, the, the Darlene, the meatballs, the Burger Po' Boy. I bet you that Burger Po' Boy is ridiculous. I bet you yeah. that is insane. Then the, the, the Nashville hot chicken. Mike mm -hmm. loves Nashville hot chicken. I love it. It's so good. And now you're putting it on a po' boy? Come on. Girl, come on. Come on. Girl, this come place, on. this place is amazing. I noticed, too, when I was looking it up over the break, former guest of the Doc G Show, Casey Webb, host of Man vs. Food, yes! follows them on Instagram. So Casey endorses it, and Casey knows his food. He goes to food challenges all over the country, so he knows oh, it. Yeah. He knows this place is amazing. Uh, Mark, thank you for your amazing um, music, and thank you for bringing Pops Po' Boys into our life. We appreciate mm -hmm. it. 
We appreciate it a lot. Uh, listeners, if you get a chance, make sure you check out his most recent album. Make sure you check out his recent album that is coming out soon there, specially crafted, as he mentioned in the interview. And check out his uh, kids, kids book if you can. Remember, it's all for charity. So if you get his kids book, you're helping, you're helping charity. That's a good thing. Good thing. Um, Mike, of course, I got excited about Millard's, and I forgot both of our uh, birthday suits. Blam. So, we've got two birthday suits. Uh, they're both basketball. Both basketball. I think it's a possibility you can get both. Uh, one of them is definitely going to be tougher than the other. But here we go. Okay. Uh, All right. Born on October 27, 1987 in Memphis, Tennessee. Our birthday suit wearer moved to Atlanta when he was 11. He loved basketball. Eventually, he was named Mr. Basketball in Georgia his senior year of high school. When he left high school, he was considered the seventh best recruit in all the country. He initially said he was going to go to the University of Georgia, but instead decided to go directly to the NBA. He's eventually drafted 45th overall by the 76ers. In 2012, he was traded to the Atlanta Hawks. Then in 2014, to the Toronto Raptors. Then to the Lakers in 2015. Then to the Clippers. That's where he really hit his stride. Our birthday suit wearer has been the sixth man of the year three times. 2015, 2018, 2019. He scored 40 points coming off the bench in one game. Jeez. He averaged 23 points in 2018 season coming off the bench. His nickname is Sweet Blank. His first name. Name that birthday suit wearer. Uh, is it Alex Car No. It's not nope. Alex Caruso. Nope. Uh, you said he was on the rap the Sixers, Raptors. Clippers. Thank Clippers. Clippers. His initials LW. Um I know you're gonna know uh, the you name. You got me, Doc G. I know you're gonna you know me. the name. Lou Williams. Sweet Lou. Uh, Lou Williams. Sweet Lou, Lou Williams. man. It took him a while. It took him a while to get into his you know, he's one of those guys that was a little... He wasn't prepared to go into the NBA as a 18-year-old. And it took him a little bit to, to come into his own. But, it, I mean, 40 points off the off the bench. It's insane. Just... Yeah. He... Instant, instant buckets. Instant buckets, especially when he's on the Clippers. I loved watching some of those teams there on the Clippers. Now he's back. He's back to Atlanta. Um, okay. Didn't get three for three, Mike, but you can get you can get two for three. I've got confidence okay. on this last one. Uh born in Anaheim, California, October 27, 1997. Both of our birthday suit wearers parents were college basketball players. He started playing basketball at the age of two. He played basketball at Chino Hills High School. As a senior, both of his brothers were on the team with him. He led them to a record of 35-0, and 0, averaging 23.9 points, 11.3 rebounds, and 11.7 assists per game. Jeez. He decided to play at UCLA. During his freshman year, he averaged 14.6 points a game. 
7.6 assists per game, and 6 rebounds per game. He decided to go into the NBA 2017 NBA draft. He was drafted number 2 by the Los Angeles Lakers. His dad said he was going to be the best professional basketball player ever. They had a business called the Big Baller Brand. In 2019, he was traded to the Pelicans for Anthony Davis. And then in 2021, he was traded to the Chicago Bulls. Our birthday suit wearer's brother plays for the Charlotte Hornets now. Name that birthday suit wearer. Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball is correct. There we go. Two for three, Mike. Two for three. There it is. That's Lou Williams, 10 years older than Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball, 1997. Lou Williams, 1987. There you go. Mm. There you go. Lonzo Ball just turning the big 2-4. 2-4. Got a lot of career ahead of him there. A lot of career. Yeah, he Lo- does. Looking pretty solid. Looking pretty he solid does. in Chicago yeah, there. You know? I mean, uh, uh, I felt like people oversold him and sort of oversold that trade when it first happened. Everybody's like, oh, my God, can you believe it? Lonzo Ball to Chicago. And I was like, eh, not too not too interested. But so far, he's been doing pretty amazing. I mean, yeah. Chicago's been doing pretty well. They 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 came out of the gate hot. Came out of the gate hot. We're going to have uh Claude coming on the show soon talk about some uh talk about some NBA basketball. I've done something crazy this year, Mike. I I joined Claude's NBA Fantasy League. Yeah. Ooh. I'm way in over my head. Way over my yeah. head, Mike. I have no idea how to do anything. I have no idea how to make trades. It's not good, Mike. It's not good. Yeah. I lost week it's- one, listeners. It happened. I was nowhere close to winning my head-to-head challenge. I don't even know how it works. Every now and then, I just get a, <laughs> I just get a message from the group that's like, Hey, Ben's really sucking. And I'm like, yep. It's true, guys. I am. I am. But yeah. don't worry. Claude's going to come on the show. He's going to talk some basketball soon. Mike, speaking of shows, I'm extremely excited. Next week, super exciting guest. Uh, we have got none other than Eric Hutchinson coming on the show. Eric's been just doing just doing the, the music thing for a very long time as well. He's very popular, has so many good albums. He just came out with a new album this year. I'm excited, man. This guy has done a bunch of stuff. You know what? He has toured with John Mulaney. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, they did like a music stand-up deal. And, you know, they they sang some tunes, and then John Mulaney did some stand-up. It's wild. But they're apparently pretty good friends. Yeah. Yeah, and he's got I mean he's got all kinds of crazy cool stories like that. Can't wait to talk to Eric Hutchinson. It's going to be fun. You need to check out the show next week for that. Then after that, we've got one of the social media influencers that Mike learned about just a couple of weeks ago. Yes. <laughs> yes, we have Bailey Spin coming on the show. I'm excited to talk to her. She's got an interesting story. She's, you know, she's a young buck. Fresh out of the wood, 19 years old. She's uh, she's going to San Diego State, Mike. San Diego State. Mm. One of my favorite cities outside of Florida. I love San Diego. Um, she's doing her social media deal. She's got over 8 
million followers on TikTok. Jeez. She's got roughly 200,000 on YouTube and Instagram. Uh, she just, I mean, she's doing it. She's got, she's got uh, deals with Netflix. She's got deals with all these giant conglomerates. Crazy. World is in front of her, Mike. The world is her oyster, as some people say. Hmm. I don't know. That's a saying, right? I think so. Yeah, it is. Yeah, okay, good. Pearl? Yeah, pearl? Is it? No, no, it's oyster. (laughs) Oyster is a pearl? I don't know. Anyways, she's doing things with pearls and oysters in a good way. (laughs) Whatever whatever that means. Work. Uh, Mike, we're going to have her on the show. I can't wait to talk to her as well. But for now, we've got to wrap up the show. we got to end it for this week. I have been your host, Doc G, with me, as always, Mikey Maximus the Furnicus Charette. Happy to be here. Yes. Always. Yes. Always a pleasure. I'm sorry. I threw you off. I didn't do the middle things, Mike. I'm sorry. I cut those That's okay. out That's because right. I felt like it was the closing, and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to make the people wait two and a half minutes. Yeah. You know? But <laughs> whatever. Next week, there'll be another thing. Anyways, guys, until next <laughs> week, zip it up and zip it out. Zippity-doo-dah. <laughs>